Uh, just give you some background on Sherlock Holmes before we watch it. This will be kind of fun. I'll probably do 15 minutes before, 15 minutes after, just a little background, then we'll talk a little bit about after it's done. Uh, Sherlock Holmes first appeared in publication in 1887. Uh, he was the creator of a Scottish author named Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Uh, about Sherlock Holmes, he actually wrote four novels and 56 short stories. He also wrote other stuff as well. He wrote a book called The White Company, which is a great book. You should all read it if you if you don't even know what it is. It's, it's a great book. But anyway, uh, A Study in Scarlet was the first one. It appeared in the Christmas Annual in 1887. Uh, and so the stories of Sherlock Holmes cover a period of time from 1880 uh, all the way up to 1914. Now, Robert Downey Jr. Next. There you go. He plays Sherlock Holmes. <clears throat> he doesn't look like any pictorial representation of Sherlock Holmes ever, <laughs> but he is. Uh, all <clears throat> but four of the Sherlock Holmes stories were narrated by uh, John Watson, who is Sherlock Holmes' best friend. Uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle said that uh, Sherlock Holmes was actually inspired by one of the guys who taught him in medicine when he was working at the Edinburgh Royal Infirmary. Uh, a guy named uh, Dr. Bell, he drew huge conclusions from the minutest details. It reminds you a lot of Dr. House, if you, ever, if you watch House. A lot of things from House are actually referenced to Sherlock Holmes. Uh, since 1881, Sherlock Holmes was having his lodgings at 221B Baker Street. 221B is actually the apartment number on House's house, if you ever happen to see that. Um, now, Holmes shares the majority of his professional years, like I said, with John Watson, who is also a doctor. Uh, Watson lives with Holmes before his marriage in 1887. Then after his wife dies, he moves back in with Sherlock Holmes again. Uh, this is uh, Watson. Jude Law is considered one of Britain's finest actors. You've probably only seen him from some of the really bad movies he's done in America. Uh, but he's done some other good movies uh, in England. Actually, i got another slide here. These, these are the original pictures they had of what Watson would look like, and they actually tried to make him look a lot like Watson uh, in the movie. Um, Watson has two roles in Sherlock Holmes' life. The first one is to give him like practical assistance in all the stuff that he does, look out, decoy, accomplice, messenger, stuff like that. But he's also Sherlock Holmes' chronicler in all of his stories. Uh, most of Sherlock Holmes' stories are framed narratives told from Watson's point of view. Uh, and Sherlock Holmes, in the books, he's always irritated at Watson when he talks about Watson writing these memoirs because he wants Watson to talk about all the science behind it and what he's doing to figure stuff out, and Watson is always trying to romanticize everything. Uh, this is what he says in the study in Scarlet. He says, you have attempted to tinge it with romanticism, which produces much the same effect as if you worked a love story. So Sherlock Holmes is always irritated at Watson. Um, uh, Sherlock Holmes' friendship with Watson is his most significant relationship that he has. Uh, many times uh, throughout the books, you don't even see how much he cares for Watson until one point Watson actually gets shocked, shot, and uh, Watson says he sees the care on Sherlock Holmes' face because he lets the bad guy go just to stop and help him, and he goes, I knew at that moment how much he actually cared for me. Um, Sherlock Holmes is described as being in practice for 23 years. Uh, Watson documents 17 of those years in his memoirs. Uh, at the end of his uh, <clears throat> supposed life, Sherlock Holmes, what he does is he goes and he retires to a bee farm in Sussex, uh, Sussex Downs, in 1903-1904. But even in doing that, in the books, he is said to write a book about bees because he studies them. And the book is called A Practical Handbook of Bee Culture with Some Observations Upon the Segregation of the Queen. So... <laughs> Um, 
Throughout the stories, you'll see him in the movie, there's a bunch of papers everywhere. And throughout the story, Sherlock Holmes is like that. He's just got papers and stuff everywhere. But in the stories, he would always dive into a stack of papers and pull out just the thing he needed. You'll see him do that in the, in the story. Uh, but what, he also, what Watson also says about Holmes is that Sherlock Holmes likes people to compliment him on how good he is and his deductive skills in the books. And, and he actually says this, uh, as a girl likes to be commented upon her beauty. And so he, it's, it's kind of great. Uh, <clears throat> in the movie, Robert Downey Jr. doesn't really keep very good uh, care of himself. But in The Hound of the Baskervilles, uh, Watson says that Sherlock Holmes had a cat-like love of personal cleanliness. So that's one of the things that didn't really make it into the movie. Sherlock Holmes is also addicted to cocaine. Like, what? Yes, addicted to cocaine. Just, just like House, when, <clears throat> when he doesn't have stimulating cases, House seems to take more Vicodin. Sherlock Holmes would take uh, cocaine. Uh, he is also a user of morphine, but he hates opium dens. And before you freak out, uh, all these drugs were actually legal when these stories were written. So, it, so it's not like, oh, he's an illegal drug user. It was just something that was common during the day. Uh, they also smoke pipes and tobacco. Later in the Sherlock Holmes stories, uh, Watson actually sits with his friend and weans him off of cocaine by spending a lot of time with him. So he's a good friend in that way. Uh, the only woman to ever impress Sherlock Holmes was a woman named Irene Adler. Uh, in the stories, uh, Sherlock Holmes only refers to her as the woman. Uh, it's it's kind of great. Uh, Adler's one of the few mentioned that women that are mentioned in multiple stories, and she makes a personal appearance appearance in the scandal in Bohemia. Rachel McAdams plays her in the movie. Yeah, there she is. Now she's actually go to the next picture. Uh, this is actually a Gibson girl, which they thought when they tried to picture, you know, what what this woman would look like, this Irene Adler, and they had to picture what's called the Gibson girl, and so they actually tried to make her look like the Gibson girl for the movie, which is kind of interesting. Um, now the next guy, this is the bad guy. Uh, this is Mark Strong. I love Mark. You ever watch like Lock, Stock, Two Smoking Barrels or any of those? Uh, rock and Rolla. He, yeah, okay, he's, uh, he, he plays the good guy slash bad guy in some of these movies. I, Mark Strong, he, he's hilarious. Uh, anyway, uh, if you actually look at all the pictures of what Sherlock Holmes was supposed to look like, he looks like what Sherlock Holmes was supposed to look like and not the bad guy. I just think that's really funny. Um, anyway, uh, all the events take place in this movie in 1891. You'll see a point where uh, Sherlock Holmes gets out of jail and he and Watson see a newspaper that says London in Terror. And the date is Friday, uh, November 19th, 1891. Now, if you ever read Sherlock Holmes novels, this is actually very interesting because Sherlock Holmes uh, was fighting Pro Professor Moriarty, his arch rival. They fell over these falls and everybody thought he was dead. That happened in May 1891. And he was presumed dead until, until 1894. So what takes place in the movie takes place like in these silent years where nobody knows what's going on. So apparently you can have new villains and, and, and stuff like that. Uh, Sherlock Holmes is also an expert in pistols and fighting with the cane, with swords, fist fighting, martial arts. These are all in the books. Uh, Watson also says that Sherlock Holmes, this is what things he knows stuff about. He says, knowledge of literature, nothing. Knowledge of philosophy, nothing. Knowledge of astronomy, nothing. Knowledge of politics, feeble. Knowledge of botany, variable. Knowledge of geology, practical but limited. He can tell at a glance where certain soils are from. Knowledge of chemistry, profound. Knowledge of anatomy, accurate but unsystematic. Knowledge of sensational literature, immense. <laughs> immense that he knows every detail about every horror perpetrated throughout the last century he loves it he plays the violin well uh, he is an expert uh, single stick player boxer and swordsman and he has good practical knowledge of British law 
the movie is directed by Guy Ritchie. I, I love Guy Ritchie. Uh, I think he's a great... You, and a lot of people have problems with the movie. Anybody not seen... Anybody... Okay, if you haven't seen the movie, the things that bother people about the movie is the shooting style. And if you don't like how it's shot, this is how every Guy Ritchie movie is shot. Like, you'll see what I mean when you watch it. But and so I, when I heard Guy Ritchie was doing it, I'm like, yes, because I, I love Guy Ritchie movies. Uh, a couple things you'll notice in the movie also. Go to the next slide. Uh, you'll see through this the man, the lion, the ox, and the eagle. These are four symbols they refer to in the movie. I don't think they did this on purpose, but uh, originally the evangelists of the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, were referred to by those same allegorical symbols. And uh, next, uh, you'll see every time somebody dies, they refer, it's like element. They refer to like these Greek elements. Uh, you'll, you'll have earth, water, fire, and air. When people either are tempted to murder or they're murdered, you'll see these four things. And then lastly, uh, you'll see there's a parliament meeting at towards the end of the movie, and you'll see the clock, and it'll be 10 till, and there's actually exactly 10 minutes left till the end of the movie from that point when you see the clock, which is kind of interesting. And I think that's the last one I got in there, right? Yeah, okay, you can switch, switch the door. Um, <clears throat> I'll give you a couple of interesting tidbits as you watch the movie. You can watch for this. Uh, there's, a, there's a fight scene in what's called the punch bowl. Interestingly enough, uh, you'll, see, you'll see this picture of the Punch Bowl, and that's actually Guy Ritchie, that's his pub. He owns a pub called the Punch Bowl, and that's, and that's kind of it. Uh, during this fight that's in this Punch Bowl fight, uh, one of the, the actors that Robert Downey Jr. is fighting actually connected and knocked Robert Downey Jr. out in the fight. And you don't see that in the movie, but that's what happened. Now, uh, also in the shot, the director of photography, uh, there's a shot where he punches a guy, and you see his jaw just kind of wiggle. That was done with super high-speed motion cameras, and it, it's not special effects at all. That, that one shot is stretched to seven seconds, and it's one shot, no post-production. It's exactly uh, how they shot it. Uh, if you like uh, Harry Potter, uh, the, the set for Sherlock, Sherlock Holmes' house is actually in... Uh, Sirius Black's house from the Order of the Phoenix in the movie. Um, you'll see a line in the movie where Watson says to Holmes, you know what you're drinking is for eye surgery. That's actually a reference to his cocaine usage because at the time cocaine was used as a topical anesthetic for eye surgery. Uh, uh, yeah. You'll see the letters VR throughout the movie. Uh, this stands for Victoria Regina, which was uh, the royal cipher for Queen Victoria, who was uh, ruling at the time. Uh, Guy Ritchie, when he signed in as a director, he said, I do not want to hear the line elementary, my dear Watson. And so you'll never hear it during the movie. And, and one of my favorite things in the movie is you'll see the bulldog. Uh, and this, this is kind of a debate for a lot of people throughout the stories because uh, Watson's irritated that Holmes likes to do experimentations on this, on this bulldog. And you know, uh, Holmes is like, well, it's both of our dogs. Actually, in the original story, the dog only appears in the very first story. And this is where Sherlock Holmes and Watson are talking about their idiosyncrasies. And one of the things that Watson says is, I keep a bull pup. And he's never mentioned in any story after that. But he's in the movie. Way to go. Way to go, dog. Uh, and then also, uh, you'll see every time is, so someone's supposed to be murdered, you'll see actually a raven in one of the shots somewhere. So you can watch for that as well. Raven is like a harbinger of death. So, you guys ready? All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for cinema and uh, how you have gifted people with the ability to make movies that make us laugh and also make us think. And we ask that uh, we wouldn't disparage so much of these things, but we would look at ways to reach our culture around us through the things that uh, you show us through these movies. Thanks so much for being a good God. 
and allowing us to be able to have things like Blu-ray movies. Amen. He'll just turn off the sound and let it keep playing in the background so you can watch the credits. See, that way we do things right. What did you guys think? Sherlock Holmes. Uh, as you watch it, the, the most strongest themes in the movie that you see are these ideas of faith and doubt and reason and how they all kind of work together. And eventually you see that uh, in, in how he tries to figure out the crimes, but also in terms of friendship. And you see the supernatural and then with friendships. Uh, Lord Blackwood, everything he does, he breeds everything through religion and fear. And the film sets itself up about science and deduction. Uh, you know, Blackwood, he's like, Christ, like in his claims, I'm going to raise from the dead. And, and you see what happens in the end is Sherlock Holmes doesn't just dismiss it out of hand. He actually looks forward to try and figure out what's kind of going on. I mean, Blackwood's like this master villain who uses this ritual superstition. But, in, but instead, it's, it's cutting-edge technology to try and bring about all the things that he's trying to put out there, all the fear he's trying to breed. Um, and again, Sherlock Holmes fights this with reason and science to expose this plot to take over you know, Parliament and all that. Uh, at the core, I, you see a, this really fascinating clash that seems to take place even in our culture today between belief and reason and how those two things go together. Uh, again, Lord Blackwood tries to capitalize on all this by, by trying to play on people's fears, use their beliefs to produce fears, and that's how a lot of people see Christianity. They see it as, oh, they're playing on people's fears and, and these beliefs, and they're trying to get these things that they want, especially when they look at people on TV. Um, you know, Holmes is like the, the ever-rational person who looks at it and thinks there's a reasonable explanation for everything that happens. And this is why it's a really big challenge for him. Uh, and, there's, and there's times when he goes to this and he's faced with these things where reason you know, might just not be enough. You know, he's trying to get everything to reconcile. And so I think you really come down to the question is that you know, do, do reason and belief really need to be opposed to each other? You know, can those two things go together in some way? Can they coexist? You know, because I think reason can reveal false beliefs, but reason can also reinforce beliefs that are true. Uh, in 1 Peter 3, 15 and 16, it says, Peter says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. The word for answer here is the word apology. Uh, there are courses you can take in seminaries, and uh, Bible colleges called apologetics. And apologetics is a branch of theology that essentially is concerned with the defense of the proof of Christianity. And what Peter says is, as believers, we're supposed to be able to give reasoned defenses for the things that we actually believe. Again, too many people believe that, that people who call themselves Christians are just easily manipulated and doing crazy things with no reasonable reason. Uh, in one sense, I think it's actually true. There's a lot of Christians who do that. You know, they run after the next crazy things from, <clears throat> you read the latest book, tells you to pray a certain way, or, you know, how the end time is going to happen. Everybody just starts believing it and running after it. You know, to the newest teacher, some people go to, uh, who are Christians, claim to go to the graves of dead people to get anointing from their bones. And, and people believe this, and they, and they run after these things. But what happens is none of those people saying these things are actually seeking Scripture. They're not seeking the reason that is actually in Scripture. God's Word for you and I as believers is the basis for everything that we believe. 
we can interpret things around us by God's word. We do this thing called the gospel class to become a member at Element. The very first thing that we talk about in the gospel class is scripture. Scripture is called the canon or, or read. It, it's like a measuring stick that we, that we put our lives and our faith up against. Sorry about the podcast. It's, it's my huge muscles again that's, that's doing it. Yeah. There. Uh, the, the scriptures are all about Jesus, who was a man with no parlor tricks, seeking no glory for himself, seeking glory for the Father, acting in love, dies and rises from the dead. And he doesn't appear in secret to a few people. He appears to people over a course of 40 days, including 500 people at once, to say, yes, look at me, I rose from the dead. The world domination is looking for is the hearts of men to be free, not placed within bondage to other people. Galatians 5.1 says, It is for freedom's sake, it is for freedom that Christ set us free. Stand firm them and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. We must be a people who learn how to reside in the truth and check things out before buying into all these crazy ideas. It does God no honor for you and I to be people who run full steam ahead into crazy schemes. Uh, things, if you watch the movie, you know, you have these things when you get Lord Blackwood, but none of the evidence proves him out in the end. But the evidence for Christ bears him out completely. There is a great deal of solid evidence that points to the resurrection of Jesus as an actual supernatural event and not some staged trickery. And I would also say this, that, that reason at some point for probably only take you too far. Soren Kierkegaard called it the, the leap of faith. That you know, at some point you have all the evidence in the world, and you can still choose not to believe. You know, if you if you have enough faith, you can disbelieve the evidence that's that's right in front of you. Uh, we need to kind of approach the scriptures like Sherlock Holmes, you know, approaches the things around him. Seek out evidence, but believe where that evidence leads uh, to Jesus. I think this, the second thing in the movie that I really I really like that stuck out to me uh, is this whole idea of faith in regard to friendship. And if you talk to a lot of people, that's traditional interpretation of Sherlock Holmes and Watson. And sometimes Watson is seen like the, like the second wheel. Like sometimes he's just the bumbling guy that's the second banana that, that's kind of there next to Sherlock Holmes. But one of the things Guy Ritchie said he wanted to do in the movie, because when he read the books, he saw it differently. He saw it as like Butch and Sundance. He's like, they're two guys doing it together. And, and that's what he, what he wanted to show, these two guys doing it together. You know, Holmes is often relies upon himself, but there are many times he has to rely on the faith he has in his friend. Many times it saves his life. In the shipyard, Watson's like goes and he covers him. like, get down, you're going to lose your head, buddy. You know, it's, it, it's kind of cool stuff. Um, Watson, if you read the books, and you, you can kind of see it in the movie, Watson always has this belief that there is good out there. And he's always seeking that. And Sherlock Holmes is always just, you know, reason people are terrible. You know, Watson, you're, you're an odd case. But, you know, and, and Watson's great for Sherlock Holmes. Again, it's that friendship that saves his life. Uh, you know, there's a quote in there. It says, strange how your enemies are often your friends in disguise and vice versa. And it, it's, when you watch it, it's really interesting because you, these relationships that he has, they're sitting there on that bed and they're talking about how these relationships are so problematic. They almost kill each other all the time. You know, one commentator on the movie actually said, uh, maybe it's problematic as the glue that holds friendships together. 
And I think that's kind of true. I, I can tell you, uh, based on personal experience, friendships are never easy. My friends could probably give you a great long list of things about me that drive them nuts. Their wives, probably even a longer list, <laughs> drives them nuts about, about me. But friendships continue through all of these quirks. Uh, Jesus' friends, you see this, they try to tell him what to do. They deny him. They betray him. I mean, with friends like these, right, who need anything else. You know, Scripture tells us in Proverbs 27, verse 6, that wounds from a friend can be trusted. But enemies are the ones who tell you all the things you just want to hear all the time. And so in these stories, it is, it is Watson who comes alongside Holmes. It is Watson later in the Sherlock Holmes novels that sits with him through the hard times of getting him off of cocaine. You know, it's the one who sticks by him. And Holmes deeply cares about Watson, which you briefly see when he's playing the doctor, you know, not doing very well pulling the shrapnel out of the guy's neck and stuff. But you see, he loves him. We are a people who are built for reason and a people who are built for friendship. And I think the movie illustrates that very well because we need community. Uh, Sherlock Holmes shows that in how the screenwriters and the director both tried to portray it. Uh, in the book of Ecclesiastes, it says there's a time for everything. And, you know, in, in the movie, it kind of ends with, you know, Sherlock Holmes is going to be ready for evil and all that. But he's going to be ready because his friends stand by his, by his side. And, and I think you look at the two characters, you know, one is, is faith and hope and the other is reason and tenacity. And I think those two things go together to make a complete person. And that's, that's what we need to be as believers, you know, this, this hope and faith, but also reason and tenacity that, that go together. There you go. That's my summary of Sherlock Holmes. Uh, and I'm sorry, I would take questions if we could talk about it a little bit. I'm just sick, and I want to go home and go to bed. So uh, let me pray real quick, and I'll send you guys out of here. Father, thank you so much for um, the unique perspective that Guy Ritchie puts on a movie. And I ask that we would be people who uh, have hope and faith in who you are, but also the reason enough that we can explain that uh, in a very tangible way to people who need to hear the truth of your gospel. Thank you for being good to us and giving us friendships and yet giving us faith and also reason to put together. Uh, as we go, have us be those who live in those things. Amen. There you go. Have a good night. Oh, we're going to do The Prestige next time. Um, if you guys have seen it once and you didn't like it, seriously, watch it a second time. second time is way better. There's so many interesting things in it. I think it's a little bit shorter than this movie, too. But two weeks. Prestige.